Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have Becky here, and she's going to talk to us about her nonprofit organization, Help Us Adopt. Is that, I'm sorry, did I say that right, Becky? It's helpusadopt.org, just so people find it. Okay, yeah, Yeah. that's a good distinction to make. (laughs) Although I just Googled it and it came up right up first. So that's a good thing. You guys are high up on the SEO, which is always good. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be and about us help help us. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those people that, you know, I I think no one really wants to talk about is that I am like this perfectly healthy infertility treatment person that it didn't work for. And I was talking to someone yesterday. Um, now my kids are 15 and 11. So give me, I was back a while ago, mm-hmm. but even at the time I was literally the only person I knew who it didn't work for. Um, because I don't think people want to talk about this and I sure wish, you know, that people would have talked about this, that this yeah. was actually a really real thing that could happen to you because I went into my infertility treatments a little cocky thinking, well, I'm only 33 and I have the money to pay for it. And I don't have any money anymore because I spent all my money becoming a mom, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, how hard could this be? Like I have great doctors and I'm aggressive and I'm going to do it. Well, the answer is it's not up to you all the time. And you know, we, I used to talk with my doctor and I'm like, well, you're not a magician, right? Like you're -hmm. you're not, my body did different things every cycle. And it was really a hard bridge to come to, to become an adoptive mom. It was not something I wanted to do. Um, I'm not proud of saying that, but I'm saying it out loud because I know there's women in the same boat. Um, yeah. So I was just going to ask you that. I think that's the, the bridge from going down the road of fertility and it not working to saying, okay, what are my next options? How yeah. did that work for you? Like how, well, that how was, long was that? that process? Was it. And I also want to say Elizabeth, that I am not anti IVF. I want anybody listening. I am not here to say, don't do it and adopt. That is not my mission. My mission is if you are struggling and don't know how you will live without being a mother. Cause that was me. Mm-hmm. I want to make adoption less scary for you mm-hmm. to consider. It doesn't have to be where you go, yeah. but I don't want people to think that this is just the scariest thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have people tell me all the time, I don't want a special needs kid. I'm like, then don't adopt a special needs kid. Like mm-hmm. it's a definite two different paths. Um, I found that there was no bridge to a, the adoption world. I found that I had to, I I am a, I'm an entrepreneur by nature. I am a very resourceful, figure it out girl. Mm -hmm. So I figured it out, but not everybody's like me. 
Yeah. And not everybody has that ability to do it. And I, I think I lived in Philadelphia at the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was easier there. If you're listening and you live in different parts of the country, maybe it's harder. I, I don't know. But I do want people to know that there should be a bridge. If you find me and you find our helpusadopt.org website, I'm building a bridge of how do you get started? What are things to consider? There's no, there's none of that out there. Like, no, there's not. There's none. And I have a client now who is trying to go down that road, similar type of situation. She's a little bit older too. And she has had um, she's on her third marriage. Uh, basically like the first one got married super young, didn't work out. Second one was not a good situation. And she's finding that she's coming up to obstacles because of that. And she's like, I didn't even think that that would be an issue. And, um, so, well, you can put her in touch with me because I don't think that's an issue. Okay. Well, I certainly will. And the reason I bring this up for people that are listening is like, we really don't know what we don't know about adoption until you're starting to go through it. And then unfortunately, I think sometimes we can get misinformation and then you think, oh, it's not possible for me. So the reason that I say this is keep knocking on the doors until you find somebody who can help you. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, let's, let's be brutally honest about really why making the IVF to adoption jump is so hard. You lose control of biology. Let's be Mm -hmm. honest. We all, and if it is important to you to be pregnant, you lose control of that. That was not my thing. My thing was the biology of it all. Um, So, and I want to be respectful of all of this, but you know, it does come down to knowing what you know. Mm -hmm. And the funniest thing about adopting my kids, two things. Number one, I really thought I was going to adopt my first um, and oldest child and then go back to IVF because I did it five times. I got pregnant three times and I had three miscarriages and I had convinced myself that that was perfectly normal. Um, (laughs) So I um, actually moved to New York City from Philly when my oldest was like four months old, because that's mm-hmm. exactly what normal people do. <laughs> and um, when it got to the point of talking about a sibling, my husband, who hated IVF, hated, 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 said, life has changed. We're now in New York. You can walk to the best clinics in the world. Mm-hmm. I'll do it again if you want. And you know what? I didn't want to. I didn't do it. I adopted again. And, you know, yes, it cost me a lot more money to adopt, but I got it. It, it, I was in a different place. And I understood after being with my firstborn for four years, what this all meant and Mm -hmm. all the things I was afraid of were silly. I was afraid of things that I didn't know that no one talked about. And um, the other thing is people wonder, will they look like you? And I always say there's two ways. You can either adopt completely out of your race that you do voluntarily for reasons that are yours and yours alone. And we all respect that. Mm -hmm. Or in my case, I asked for a Caucasian birth mother, Caucasian birth father, because that's what we were comfortable with. The funny thing is the birth mothers are then like attracted to you for different reasons, right? And both (laughs) our kids look like they are our genetic combination. Like I can't even explain it to you. So like, (laughs) and if you talk to a lot of adoptive parents, 
they say these things like really? it works. The world works out in a very strange way. Um, and two of and- my, two of, two of my three kids don't look anything like me at all. Like you would never know they're right. even my kids. <laughs> so. Well, and that's my case too, in my biological family, I'm oh, okay. the oldest of five kids. Uh-huh. When I'm out with my brothers, they think my brothers are my husband. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and my daughter looks more like my sister. Like if you put the three of us in line, you would kick me out of it, convinced that my daughter and my sister are fully biological twins, practically, although yeah. there's some news between them. Yeah. And it's just remarkable. And then my oldest daughter is my mini me, like, it, it, which is, you know, not that it always does this, but like, these are the things that we grow up thinking are so important. Right. And when that's taken away from us, I really think if you're not talking with someone about this, and I don't always mean therapy, I mean, people who've been through it, right? Like people right. who can say, yeah, I was terrified of that too, but let me help you understand. Let right. me give you some information that might be helpful to you to not feel that you're standing all alone. And this mm-hmm. could be possible. Um, you know, what we've also found out with Help Us Adopt is that you know, IVF patients are, I, I know it firsthand. I spent $82,000, mm-hmm. you know, I, how the hell are you going to afford adoption? So we see that most of our grant applicants are unsuccessful infertility patients. And I think that if nothing else, this is an important message to get to the world of infertility. Like there's help for you. It's okay that you ran out of money. We're not sitting here to judge you. We're sitting here saying we can help. That's awesome. We can help you. Yeah, because to I often say try not to add up all the costs that you're spending because at the end of it, you look at your babies and your children and you don't put a price tag on them, right? It's it's the life right. that you that you well, and- have that you want and you know, it's, yeah. that's what really matters. And there are, is, there is help out there too, right? Yeah. So there's you help have out to there. look for it and you have to ask for it and you have to be resourceful, like you said, yeah. to, to see who can help you, to point you in the direction of where to go for that. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I think, listen, I, I know it's scary and I know when your doctor isn't necessarily being supportive of this, um, that that's hard too, because this happened to me and it happened to the woman I talked to yesterday when it got to the point, she did 10 rounds of IVF. I did five, but when it got to the end, the doctor's first go-to was surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Well, come on, come on. That, that price tag for most people is like, mm-hmm. and for me, I couldn't do it. And it wasn't mm-hmm. of interest to me. So that doctor, while trying to keep everything under the roof type thing really did themselves, I won't even out them gender wise themselves a disservice mm-hmm. because they should have presented more options because a lot of people aren't into surrogacy. That's fine. Again, there's no judgment ever how you choose how to become a parent. But the bottom mm-hmm. line is that is so cost prohibitive. Yeah. You know, and it's not, it, adoption isn't even in the conversation. And that's the piece that I think if more doctors supported this, then patients wouldn't feel so let down. Well, I think that the doctors aren't educated about it either. Right. So that's why they don't offer it as an option because they don't know anything about it really. Right. So that's funny you said that because that's what I have finally come to believe. And 
I've started an outreach project for that in my spare time, which I don't have a lot of spare time and it's going to take me forever, but I'm reaching out to doctors and offices across the country. And I'm saying, I'm here this, I will, I will help you help your patients for free. Like Mm -hmm. this is not a gimmick. I'm not making money off it. I care less what your patients decide, but let me make it really easy for you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit like what, how does the process work? If you, if somebody wanted to start the process of adopting tomorrow, what, what's their first step for them to do? So the first step is that you really have to think about how you want to adopt, right? Like, do you want a domestic newborn baby? Um, or are you interested in a, an international orphan? from an orphanage, which, you know, some people like because they're older, some people like because they're an orphan, some people like because um, they pick a country that's part of their heritage and they like Mm -hmm. that because Mm -hmm. they can continue the family traditions and things. Like there's a million different reasons why people choose what they choose. And some people might choose foster to adopt, Mm -hmm. although it's challenging and I don't see as much of that with infertility patients. Mm -hmm. Um, to be perfectly honest, Mm -hmm. but so then once you decide how you're going to adopt, then you need to find an adoption professional who's specialized in that way to help you. The first thing that people say is I hate lawyers. I'm not using a lawyer. Well, I'm here to tell you that adoption attorneys are not the bad guy in all of this. There is no bad guy. The bad guy's the system, right? The bad guy it is the system. And the bad guy is that whether you're adopting domestically or internationally, the birth families or the orphanage are not paying their expenses. You are. So the bad guy is that fact, right? And that's, that's what really adds up here. Okay. Um, domestic newborn adoption, you can use an attorney or an agency. International adoption, you can only use an agency. You will have to use a lawyer to finalize once your child comes back to the United States and is on U.S. ground. You have to get them their citizenship, which is really important. If you ever see these stories in the news of how like a 30-year-old adoptee is deported, they miss that last piece of the puzzle. Either someone didn't tell them or it can be $2,500 to $5,000. And some people say, I'm not spending that money. Well, it, it, for the safety of your child as a United States citizen and a human being, you need to spend that money. And I know it's unpleasant, but it it is really, really important Um, because without that last piece of the puzzle, you can put your kid in danger. Wow. Okay. Yeah. For future danger, you know, like, Yeah. yeah. Um. So then once you find, and we on our website have a, on the homepage, how to get started button. And I go over all these questions too. So if anybody's listening and said, oh my God, I didn't write this down, go to helpusadopt.org, go to the homepage, click on adoption. Where do I start? And this will take you through everything. Great. Um, And there's some resources in there as well as like, you know, how do you look for an adoption attorney? Well, Mm -hmm. um, Interesting enough, the uh, adoption law is state by state too, which isn't, this is where it gets confusing, okay. right? You start to go, I don't, I don't like so this. So if I'm um, in California and I'm adopting a baby in Arizona, do I get an attorney in California or Arizona? So this is where I, you would get 
an attorney in California, most likely. If the birth mother that is identified for you to adopt her baby is in Arizona, um, and California is a weird state, has some tricky laws, (laughs) but um, so does New York. Um, But you might, what would happen is your adoption team would advise you on the adoption attorney in Arizona. So let's, that's how it would work. If, and that's where I tell people like, don't do this stuff on your own. You're not an adoption attorney. You can't, I see people posting these questions on Facebook all the time. Like I need to find a lawyer for my birth mother. I'm like, you're not a lawyer. Like you need your team to say, this is a very reputable you do the first one, right? You find your adoption attorney, but then you let them drive the bus for the mm-hmm. rest of the details. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, different states work differently. And it really is important that first step to find an adoption professional that you got some sort of recommendation on, whether it's from a friend, whether it's from someone like Help Us Adopt, who has worked with these people before. Um, do not use your uncle who's a tax attorney to adopt your children. (laughs) It is the biggest mistake people make because he's not educated in adoption law and you might save some money, but your heart is going to be ripped out of your chest with a fork most likely. Mm. And I can't even explain the messes I've seen because people think they can do this for free. And it's, you know, it's just as you wouldn't go to a, and you wouldn't have your tax attorney do your IVF cycle. Like it right. just doesn't work. You wouldn't have so your there's dentist. no shortcuts, basically. There's no shortcuts. And I think that's really upsetting for people to find out. But, you know, that's how you end up being a lifetime movie of the week. Hmm. Those movies are not the real adoption world. That is not the adoption world. That is an adoption that was not done properly. Someone's rights were not honored. Um, people weren't educated and that's how those stories happen. And um, that's why you have to get really wonderful people. Also the birth mother needs support. She needs to know and be educated on exactly what decision she is making. And if she changes her mind, you'll be grateful that she had that education and was able to make her own decision. And does it happen often that you have that um, back and forth with the birth mother, or is that unusual, or is it still that it's not? It's unusual. Time? It's unusual. Um, you know, again, when you try to do these things on your own, like you know, let's use a very relevant example of people be like, "Oh, I found a birth mother on Instagram. She mm-hmm. sent me sonogram pictures." Really? How do you know? You can download sonogram pictures off the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pretend to be anybody you want to on the internet. So I I am very wary of stories like that. Okay. If you find now, listen, some people do find their birth mothers on the internet. You then need to make sure she is willing to contact your lawyer. If she is not willing to contact your lawyer, Mm -hmm. that's a big red flag. Now, if she's willing to contact your lawyer, you tell her like, Once you contact my lawyer, you will get your own lawyer that I will pay for. You will be represented and you will have whatever legal support is allowed in your state. And most birth mothers, if they're really, you know, really going down this road, truthfully, 
that's helpful to them. That's a reassurance to them that they're, that they have these resources. Um, but you know, when people say they don't want to talk to your attorney, you got to wonder who's on the end behind that sonogram. And unfortunately the bad people exist. Um, yeah. So those stories you hear are really people who think they don't need the professional help. Right. So as far as the timeline, is it, really just vary on each case or like what's what's the average I guess to expect if you say tomorrow okay we just made the decision finally that we adopt what what's what do you expect with that the average they say is for domestic adoption 12 to 18 months from the time you sign with your adoption professional because let's be honest some people drag things out like I went from my last miscarriage to five days later, sitting in an adoption attorney's office. I had my, this plan ready Mm -hmm. to go in case that last round didn't work. Uh Um, You know, some people I know research things for eight months. That's, that's who the individual is. Um, But 12 to 18 months, once you sign is about normal for domestic adoption. Um, Personally, I had a 10 month domestic adoption and a two and a half year domestic adoption. So go figure. Um, So what, what makes that difference? Because obviously a um, baby takes, let's, let's just say you're getting a domestic newborn. Yeah. How does that process go? I used, um, I lived in two different cities and two different States. I lived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my first adoption. I lived in New York city, my second adoption two very different sets of rules. Um, First adoption, I worked with an attorney and the way most adoption attorneys are set up is that they are, there's pros and cons to both. So I'm just stating facts at this point. Mm -hmm. The way attorneys are set up is they can only work with like 10-ish families at a time because Mm -hmm. they're sole practitioners. Of course they have support staff, but it's just them. And they need to get you in and get you out of the process so they can work with another family. So there's, there's more movement, I think, in that world. Mm-hmm. I used a large agency for my second adoption. I didn't do enough homework. Um, and let me say, I have the child. My second daughter is absolutely my daughter in every shape. Of, that's why I had to go through that. However, mm-hmm. I didn't do enough homework. I got really cocky because my first adoption was relatively easy. Uh And I thought this is how all adoption professionals behave and work. And agencies don't work the same way that lawyers work. It, It is a fact. They are umbrella organizations. They have many different categories of what they handle in-house. And for that reason, they have many more employees. They have a whole different price structure. And um, they take on many, many, many more families and then funnel them through. So going with what you know, also the idea out there is that um, a lot of people say that agencies take better care of birth mothers. I don't know that that is true. I really don't. Any good professional should absolutely tell you that you are going to take care of this birth mother. The minute they tell you you're not going to take care of this birth mother, you need to run because that mm-hmm. is not an ethical attorney. Um, birth mothers have rights and you will grow to love your birth mother and feel that 
how could you not give her care and love and understanding during this time in her life? Mm -hmm. So, um, I believe that the good adoption professionals all do this. Um, my lawyer adoption was $40,000. My agency adoption, I stopped counting at 63. Okay. Um, so the myth out there is that the lawyers rake you over the coals. I, I don't say I was raked over the coals, but those myths are just wrong. <laughs> They're not okay. true. Mm-hmm. And um, an agency adoption is not a cheap way to go. However, agencies, because they're so large, usually do have some sort of safety net if you have a failed adoption. Okay. And we had a failed adoption. What that means is that the baby was born and the birth mother changed her mind within the time that she's allowed legally. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's heartbreaking. But if you've been through this and you know it's a genuine change of heart versus a scam, you want that woman to parent her child. There's no way it's, you know, it it was not my child that time it failed. Mm -hmm. We lost $5,000 in that because Mm -hmm. of travel expenses Mm -hmm. to meet her the first time. But we didn't lose any of the adoption fees. Had we been with an attorney they do not have the kind of same safety net and we would have lost tens of thousands of dollars on that, which for us would have been a big deal back then. Um, So, you know, again, we um, talk about a lot of this stuff on our website. And um, in addition to the grant, this is a new education piece we're doing. Um, And we're always available on our email if you're really, really stuck. Um, in understanding all this, because I definitely want to provide, I I can't be a total adoption educator, um, because I have to raise money for these grants, but I want to help in a capacity that's useful to people to get them going. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also, I'm not a lawyer or social worker. So I'm never going to have that specified education. But I see a lot in my day to day work, and I can generally point people um, in the right direction. Great. And so when people go to helpusadopt.org, what can they find there? So the main thing that we do is we offer this financial support to people who are struggling with the cost of adoption, which generally speaking is 40 to $50,000. And I know someone just like fell off their treadmill because they were listening to this (laughs) podcast. You know, yes, it's 40 or $50,000 in full upfront before you become a parent through adoption. Um, So we really focus on our adoption um, grant program, but we have this education side. um, And we also have a platform called Faces of Adoption, which is um, everything we do is inclusive, by the way. That's why I started this organization. Like everybody's welcome. I don't care about your religion. I don't care who you're married to. I don't care if you're married. I don't care what skin color you have. I could care less about any of these defining factors. We speak about family in a very general way because family is undefined. And so the same inclusivity is on our faces of adoption page. And it's a storytelling page, um, which some people find interesting. And you can, we have adoptees on there who, who talk about being adopted and, and what that has meant for them. And, um, adoptive parents, people who are trying to become adoptive parents. We've got birth mothers on that page. There's a lot of interesting stories um, and different points of view. And listen, adoption's not perfect is the first thing that everybody will tell you. And I just want everybody to know 
neither is biology. (laughs) And that's not finger pointing again. It is Mm -hmm. factual. And look around at all your friends. And, you know, I have a friend um, who, you know, pregnant, every test, she got pregnant easily. Every test came back normal, every, every, everything. And her child was born with a syndrome that they couldn't even identify. And Again, if you talk to my friend, that was meant to be her child. She was meant to live those 11 years with her. She learned so much from her child and she now became a nurse to help in that specific category of kids. And her life absolutely had meaning while she was on this planet. Mm -hmm. But there is a, like, we all just don't know. Right. And I think people poo-poo adoption immediately because they're like, oh, it's so uncertain. But our world is uncertain and it it depends on how, how much you want to become a mom. Yeah, that's a great point. I often tell people, you know, if you're questioning these things, talk to somebody who has adopted, go go meet them for coffee, see their kids playing in the park and see how real the love is for those babies. They don't know the difference. You know, nobody knows any difference because all that matters is that love between them. Yeah. And I think that if that's what it takes for you to kind of get your head around, like, oh yeah, I can see that. I think I could see my life this way too. I think that it's really helpful to talk to other people and see those stories, uh, you know, that it, that what life can look like for you. Yeah. And, and again, if anybody, you know, wants to reach out to me, that is fine. And even if you reach out to me and decide it's not for you, there is no judgment on my end. Like I I just don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I want you to become a mother and make your decision in an educated, I don't want you to miss out on something because someone wasn't willing to talk to you about it. That's Um, And how can people find you, Becky? The easiest, we're pretty easy. Um, And my, my platforms are totally transparent. So with no security of any sort on it. So my children's birth families can find me at any point of any day. Mm-hmm. and, and see pictures and know what we're up to. So, um, you can find me personally on everything, but Twitter, Twitter's mean. I do not mm-hmm. like Twitter. Um, I left, uh, but Becky Snyder Fawcett and, um, you can find help us adopt on everything, but Twitter. Um, <laughs> and it's sometimes help us adopt org without the dot, depending on what was available. And sometimes it's help us adopt.org. But if you Google us, our websites, help us adopt.org. And like, we're pretty self-identifiable. If you can't find us, we've done something wrong. Okay. Um, If you can't find them, (laughs) find me and I'll point you to her. Exactly. Exactly. Is there any last advice you would give for people that may be considering this route? Yeah. You you know, you're not alone. You're just not alone. I know you think you're alone. I thought I was alone and it wasn't until I started talking about it that I had some hope in my life and, um, you can have hope. It, it, I know it's a very disappointing one door closing another one opening, but, um, we get you through it. And now you have two amazing children, two amazing children who, make fun of me all the time. They're like, you didn't want to adopt jokes on you. Look at how that turned out. And I am jokes on me. And and that's why I'm honest about that factor because I I don't want to ever pretend this was a walk in the park for me. I don't think that's fair to the people behind me. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for sharing this information and being so open with us and 
letting people know that you're available to help them. Thank and you. You're not alone. I think that is so important in this whole journey because it, it is strange how you just innately feel like you're the only yeah. one going through this. And it's so yeah. consuming with everything you do and every step of your day. So to know that you're there to help others is really beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today and we will see you next time.